Alrighty, Creedcast fam, Port fam, everyone out there listening. The 2022 AFL men's season is about to be upon us. It's exciting. It's uh, simultaneously feel, felt like it's taken forever to uh, get here, whilst also seemingly come around really quickly. It's weird. Um, you know, it's been it's been probably a busy off season for myself. Um, been a wild, wild couple of months in South Australia as we um, opened the borders after a long time of, you know, keeping COVID out and and all that stuff and um, and so working in the field I do in my day job in hospitality it was a wild time um, with restrictions and you know business falling a fair bit with um, uh, you know, just so many people getting COVID now that we've let it let it loose in the state but um, thankfully um, keeping pretty safe and all that stuff and. I haven't have I have somehow I don't know how the fuck I've dodged COVID for two years now. Um we're very getting very close to two years since um we shut down for the first time and it's it's unreal. So but you know, not wanting to delve too much into COVID stuff there or whatever. Um but it has been um part of the reason the last couple of months have been just a weird gone by so quickly in a way and just a tumultuous time because it's just been um unknown Un- unknown uh, pathway pathways forward, I guess, in the sense of um, just in the day job and and you know even navigating as a as a citizen of this country of this world as a human, um, getting used to this new world of we're going to go to a sporting event. There's probably going to be people in the crowd that could have COVID. You don't know, but you know masking up, being vaccinated helps, um, and we just go and kind of just accept and hope that you know as we're getting into this endemic stage, as they say, we're kind of getting to now that we all um stay safe and over it and the covid kind of just slowly dissipates as it as it becomes less less dangerous hopefully um you know there's always a threat of new strains and everything but yeah that that has just taken up <laughs> a lot of the mental bandwidth of the last couple of months i guess navigating that both as um you know helping manage a business as well as um just as a person trying to see how we're going forward and and um, certainly um, has its has its ramifications as we go forward into this AFL season as well. Um, Port Adelaide, as fans, we are um, you know there's the vaccination mandates and all that stuff at the ground, so that's a thing. Um, we're at 100% capacity. It looks like going forward, so that's that's wonderful. Um, after last year of the up and down nature of <laughs> wherever the threat matrix was at um, for the crowd, um, yeah. But it's it's made for an interesting off season for myself. Um, I did have plans to do a few off-season Creecast um, podcasts. I was going to do, I think I was. I had some ideas of re-watching some old games and um, doing some reviews or just talking about that era. And, and there's a few things that I still have in the in my little notebook of things to do in the future that, that will happen at some point. But, you know, I had to just, I had to at one point in the off-season when I was kind of trying to, think about getting some content going just have to actually sit down and take a break it was talking about mental bandwidth it's just it is just something i find that uh i had to sit back and take a break i was was gotten had another podcast project i'm doing with a friend of mine um go listen to jersey boys pod if you (laughs) if you want to that's a a a sports adjacent sports adjacent podcast it was about sports but we just do it through the prisms of prism of um, appreciating uh, the aesthetic nature of sports and jerseys and other things, and then we talk about sports as they're happening as well. Um, so that was something we, we were getting off the ground. Um, just something we'd do. For, it's just an old college buddy of mine. He's a um, well, one of my closest friends, and um, we were getting that off the ground. So that's kind of and like I'm working fifty hours a week, and then you know doing all the things that you do in life to keep keep going as well as work and 
and um, sort of got a lot of things um, bubbling in the background here in our personal lives, changes moving forward. So just the off-season was quite busy, I guess, is what I have to say. And one of the things that I could back off on for a couple of months um, was this podcast because, you know, it was the off-season and apart from, um, you know, there was, there's always things going on. I'm always keeping an active eye on it because I'm, you know, I'm obviously my port, port fan, one-eyed port fan. I, I can't not keep an eye on it. I'm always, you know, checking what's going on. But I just took, I guess, took a step back from um, doing a lot of this kind of stuff, which was... Um, you know, needed, I guess. Um, and not that I would have, I would have loved to have had the time to do more, but I just did. And that's the thing I think was I knew um, when I do this stuff, I like to, you know, if I'm doing a preview for a game podcast or whatever, I, I spend, I like to spend at least, you know, a lot of the time I'm just, you know, free willing from just being an active fan. I have a lot of it just in me, but I still like to have a bit of preparation done as far as, you know, a few, you know, if the, the, the stats or whatever and, um, not that this podcast will be stat heavy or anything like that, but um, you know, there's a bit of preparation that goes into it, and um, I just couldn't, I didn't have the time in the off season to do any of that. Like, if I was going to do some content in the off season, I wanted to it be worth it, you know, not phone it in and have you know someone listen to it for an hour and go, well, that was that was trash. <laughs> um, had you know, took that, you know, I just decided that if I couldn't dedicate that time to make it worth it, then. It's probably best to just take that those couple of months, um, get everything, you know, work out what was going on, um, you know, in the last couple of months as far as, like I said, work and everything was pretty crazy and and life's just been a bit crazy as well. So, um, but it's wonderful to be back here doing the podcast, um, talking Port Footy as we enter into the season uh, going forward. So, um, uh, well, the season starting, uh, what are we, uh, it's Monday today, I think. I'm looking at my computer to see the date. Yeah, it's Monday. I work. It's been a long weekend here, but I work the whole time. So I'm like that. Days and time is just in. Yeah, time is a flat circle, man. Um, but um, yeah, we're Monday now, um, and the first game is coming up uh, Saturday night this week. So we're under a week away now, and it's uh, you know it's nipple tingling time. That's what it is. It's just the sensations hitting. You know the game's coming. We can start talking about lineups in a few days, but I'll do a preview pod later in the week of the game itself. But this is. More of an overall season preview, as well as just reviewing a bit of what what occurred in the off season and and a few things like that. So it's just a bit of a getting uh, getting the feet wet again for myself, podcasting and uh, and looking at looking back at the last couple of months, as well as looking forward to the, this season as well. So might as well uh, crack a frothy and uh, get into it. Um, the Aussies are kicking ass in the cricket right now. I've just got that in the background, so you know all's well. All's well. It's good good time to be doing a podcast. Oh, that's a beautiful sound, isn't it? Uh, gotta love just have cracking a beer and late on a late in an evening watching the cricket and um, getting ready to chat some port footy. Um, I guess not watching cricket and getting ready to chat port footy, but you know it's worth playing in Pakistan. Cricket's a year-round sport. Um, yeah, so frothy, frothy, frothy. The off-season was, I guess, the last podcast, um, just to round it back to the last one on the feed, was, I guess you can call the cut-off point for our last season, um, Ollie Wines winning the Brownlow, which is wonderful. I think I only did a 20-minute... I, I didn't even... I was The emotional state I was in after he won that Brownlow was a weird place. I had tears in my eyes. It had been a long time coming. Um, I, I remember sitting up and watching Brownlow counts as a kid when Port first came into the competition, in particular those years, like 2003, when, you know, I as a kid... Um, and you only 
we didn't have great internet as kids. So I didn't, I, you know, everything I got about what was potentially happening uh, for Port Adelaide was from newspapers. So I just read Gavin Wang and he was a hot favourite for 03 and expected him to win and he didn't. And I think Trade Ray was, you know, a favourite in 2004 as well. He didn't win. Uh, Robbie Gray was pretty hot in 2014, although by then I kind of started, you know, I was, I was an adult by then anyway, but it was a well, well-grown well adult by then and, and kind of understood how the Brownlow was a bit more, you know, it's just as a kid, you just you, you see things in very linear and, um, and the ex, you know, when people are saying they're a favourite, you go, okay, they should win, but it doesn't work that way. Um, but uh, so as someone who grew up, um, you know, seeing Port Adelaide players regularly win in the McGarry when I was real little, um, and then, you know, ex- the expectation kind of, as, you know, especially those years in 02, 03, 04, uh, and we didn't get a Brownlee winner in there when we, you know, you could you could argue, uh, like, you know, Wangani probably should have been up there with a tide for four places in that year, but um, it was one of those things I always just thought, of, like, you know, it's that thing when you're a fan of a team and you kind of, I call myself, like, you know, you're a bit of a catastrophic thinker. You always just, you, you think a little... Oh, it's never going to happen for us, never going to happen for us. Um, so to break that barrier for the Brownlow was just a wonderful moment for Ollie, uh, for Ollie, obviously, but for the club as well and the fans. It's um, recognition of Ollie Wines' place in the game. After, you know, he, he was he was ordained early in his career at Port as a future Brownlow winner, I think was how he's referred to, a potential future Brownlow winner, future captain, which he's already done and hopefully will do again. Um, so his place in the game... it. Early in his port career was was kind of stated to be that, but then you know he's had a few years where um, you know he, he didn't quite hit that form that we probably expected of him. Um, you know, an injury in preseason, and then obviously being the Victorian lad, there was a couple of years there. It was like the whispers were there, Carlton and 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 whatnot, and it's just like it just it, it always felt like it was just not quite there. Um, we were just never going to quite get there with Ollie, and it was it was that was the worry I had for a couple of years there. But then, you know, twenty twenty had a really uh, like finally had a really great year and was a real part of you know our one fiftieth year and getting so close to the promised land there. And then last year just kicked on and absolutely walloped the competition and showed us for us Port fans the player that we all knew was there. Um, and he certainly shown signs of it signs of it for years. Uh, just hadn't quite um, got over that hump of consistency was the main thing really. Um, and and stamping his place in the game and kind of that that kind of impact you can have in a game and he and he and he did it and and absolutely deserved that Brownlow and and that night was just a wonderful way to cap off the year after a pretty disappointing week before um, <laughs> as, an, as an understatement really and that's probably part of the reason that uh, the off season was so such a struggle for me sometimes and getting um, actually trying to get forward. I mean, I have a bit of him like imposter syndrome anyway of doing this kind of stuff, you know. You know, it's just like what am I doing? Who who's listening to this? Who's listening to this random fan doing this stuff? So sometimes that can be part of it too. And then it's just that I was so exhausted after last year. You, you know, you put so much mental effort into it and into just being a fan and and the the run to a final run through finals is stressful and to end for it to end that way was pretty pretty heartbreaking. So um yeah, that was tough. And so the Ollie Brownlow win was just such a weird emotional, it was a weirdly emotional place to be that night because you were still, I was still reeling from the, um, just the disappointment of that preliminary final. But then it was absolute happiness at Ollie and, and seeing the guy, like him, his speech and he was, he, you know, he was really one of those iconic kind of speeches, you know, he's having a frothy and, and some pretty fun, 
funny anecdotes and all that stuff and and Boke and them all looking happy there. And it was just a really good, happy-looking group there. And they kind of gave you the hope going forward. And there was some pretty, pretty resolute, calm kind of notes towards what they still wanted to try to achieve this year and going forward. So... In a strange way, it was just that's probably where all the emotions were mixed up in that night of Ollie winning the Brownlow. Was looking forward to this year with such a weird um, feelings as to um, how the season had ended, but kind of that confidence that you could see in the guys there at the Brownlow um, Brownlow presentation still was um, kind of calming in a way, and and led me into the off season while still feeling pretty disappointed and 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 a lot of sadness in the way that it finished and a lot of uncertainties in that as well um, from the, the way the season finished to the Brownlow in a strange way kind of capped it in a positive way and kind of that things had been taken on board and that we could look forward with some with some optimism so you know that's that's kind of the end of last season was that Brownlow and you cut it off there and go that well that was our last podcast here as well and um, then we go forward to to the off season which um very quickly became um, obviously the trade period coming up first. Um, you know, one of our, our favourite here at here at the Creekcast and a favourite for many a Port Adelaide fan, I think, um, was Peter, the, the name that came up very early and kind of seemed to be odds on that he'd be moving would be it was um, our big big <laughs> big ruckman Peter Adams, um, which you know did occur in the end. Um, but not before um, Jeremy Finlayson came in. Um, obviously, that trade—I think the Finlayson trade happened first. Because I think I remember back when that that was happening. So I guess it was the first part of the review of the off season. Um, it was a trade period. Um, Jeremy Finlayson. I remember thinking that as soon as that gets done, that's like the catalyst to me. I think for um, the Laddams trade to absolutely go forward. I think because I think Finlayson was um like you know Port was probably playing going into that was get you know Finlayson was available. Seemed like it was happening. Um, get Finlayson in, then we can move Laddams out, and, and and then the pick swaps here and there will help them move up in the draft um, to get them into a more um, a position that they were uh, better suited to pick up a player that they were pretty pretty um, hot on. Um, but yeah, first of all, the trade. Um, happy with Finlayson coming in. Um, I think going forward, um, I'll get I'll get to that later on. But I'm just the Finlayson trade. I was pretty happy with it at the time. You know, it's 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 a um, it's a move for a player that uh, is got is got a like age profile works well for a list going forward um, for a few years. You know, he's in that he's in that period. He's in that kind of age profile where he's still um, yet to reach quite that peak age where he peak prime footy is happening. He's getting there, but um, you know, with uh, a couple of young forwards um, in both Georgiades and and Marshall, but then um, you know, obviously Dixon is um, getting there in age as well. I think Finlayson was a really good move to kind of keep that forward line young. Um, as we look, we've got to unfortunately look to Dixon as being a twilight years um, forward now. Still, hopefully, got a couple of good years in him, but um, injuries and all that aside. But we'll get in. I'll get into that with the squad stuff in a bit, but. Um, just on the face of it, I was I thought Finlayson for a third rounder um, was pretty good, pretty good movement. Um, he's an he's had an interesting career, a little bit injury interrupted and a little bit um, consistency. Um, but that year the the Giants made the grand final, forty um, odd goals and was a key part of that squad. So when you can when that's in your resume, I think that is always a good sign. Then it's just um, from that point on, it's just defining the consistency and finding. 
And, you know, certainly we can't say that the Giants have had any form of consistency over the past few years. You know, they had that the year before their grand final appearance where they were getting close. Then the grand final appearance, but then they fell off the wagon a little bit um, in the year after, you know, in 2020. So uh, for Finlayson, you know, you could you can sit there and say some, some players like him uh, are, are um, beholden to how the, the overall squad is playing. And, um, you know, certainly I think he's got a lot of upside still and, and um, you know he can pin. I think he's um, he's you know got that ability that we seem to like in in forwards is that they can play a little bit of ruck as well. Um, so, but it's certainly I don't expect him to be doing too much of that. But you know, kind of like Dixon has at times. But yeah, he's um, I've liked what I've seen of him in um, the preseason games a little bit. You know, he's, he he leads up well and and um, you know in some pretty sh- pretty trying conditions in both of those preseason games, whether it be the torrential downpour in the Gold Coast or. Um, the wind um, down at Richmond in that preseason game against uh, the against the Crows. Um, I watched. I was just watched it on TV, but from more reports from what I could see from people that were down there, it was quite windy, um, as well as um, you could just see it on the you could just see it on the telecast. It was um, windy, so um, yeah, he's got some uh, got some good. I, I was happy with that trade, and I, at the time, even before I'd seen what he seen him in Port Colours in the preseason, I just thought just what I'd seen of him. Um, I can't admit to have keeping too much of an eye on Jeremy Finlayson before he became a port player. I just knew of him. I've seen him. You know, I've watched Giants games and I've seen him. So um, I was happy with that. For, th- for a third rounder, for a player that's got that experience and clearly got the um, the ability to do it, uh, as we've seen um, in, in you know, the good year, uh, getting towards that grand final, um, he has proven to be a good player at a, at a high level. Um, so to get a player like that um, in an age profile, age profile that... Um, Lends him to potentially be a, a decent few, a decent few years here um, for a third rounder. You know, you, you do that every time um, if it, if it, if you know your list management warrants it. And um, certainly, Cripper, uh, Jason Cripper's in the list management hasn't hasn't put many feet wrong in the past few years. So um, I, I do trust. I do. That's one of those things that's wonderful at the club at the moment. Is you've got guys like that in those positions making those decisions. You. There's a little bit of trust that goes, you know, I was already happy with Finlayson, but then I look at the, you know, because we've got a good record over the past few years um, making these moves and keeping ourselves um, well-balanced salary cap-wise, even though we're doing all these kind of moves at times for some high-profile players as well, um, you gotta, there's a little bit of trust and that goes with it. So happy with that. And then, of course, that meant Peter Adams was moving on as well um, with a little bit of pick swap ac- action with um, Sydney. Um, which helped that we got Laddams as well as moving moving around some picks that um, ended up getting this pick 12 um, in the draft, which was key as we'll get there. But um, Laddams, um, sad to see him go. He was He's a handy um, utility player um, equally. Uh, one of my things with Laddams, I think, is he's never going to be rated elite for me in any, you know, any key area that he's you know whether it's be forward or ruck um i think that was probably the the undoing of him um as far as getting forward as at port because obviously he wanted more game time and i think you know a scooter um scott lysett as long as he stays fit in the next couple of years you know he's still got a couple of good years ahead of him um staying fit at least um in his position so you know laddams was never going to get ahead of lysett unfortunately and that's where that's where the kind of decision that unfortunately comes because he's also when you've got guys like Finlayson, Marshall, and Georgiades and Dixon all in the forward line, he's not becoming a key. He's not getting a mainstay key forward role either, and he's never going to be better than the second ruck. So in that sense, you know, a lot. I know a lot of people weren't sure about moving him on, but it's like, where is he going to actually fit if he wants more game time? So 
Um, it is sad though. There's the business of footy, and that's one of the things I always like to remind myself of, as well as um, others. When we, you know, sometimes when a player is so good that they move on in free agency because they have the choice of clubs, you know, whether it be your danger fields or whatever. Um, we always say, oh, trade it, trade it, trade it. But then you have a guy like Peter Laddams who, you know, after his trade, we saw people that knew him um, posting on the socials, posting photos of him as a lad growing up um, as and wearing port gear and all that stuff. Um, so he was a he was a port fan for life. And, and you know, he... And that's what that's the other side of this, you know, uh, um, loyalty coin that we, we sometimes throw when a player leaves our club um, if they have a choice. But when sometimes a player like Laddams who... Probably would have happily been a port player for life if it had worked out that way. Um, we trade him because it works, so it goes both ways. And but I don't think there's no hard feelings. Um, you know, he's a he's a great player, and I hope he does well. I just drafted him in my fantasy league. Um, I'm in a keeper AFL league, and just had a draft tonight. And I just drafted him, hoping that um, you know, it was just it was a chaotic draft, and I just I was getting towards the depths, plumbing the depths, and I was like, oh, dual position player, ruck forward, fuck it, grab him and see if he. Say if he um, gets a consistent run out at Sydney. So, you know, I'm hoping he does well. I am hoping he does well for Sydney. Um, shout out to Donny Hess from uh, Fourth and Long Radio over in the US. I did um, did a had a great chat with him on, on their podcast in the off season, and um, he was he was pretty happy, hoping hoping for good things. He's a Sydney fan, so might uh, might reach out to him and get him. And when we play Sydney this year, and see if he can we we have a bit of a chat with him again um, on this podcast. But yeah. Um, Happy for Pete to hopefully get a good run in it, and um, with the pick swaps and all that stuff, it worked out for us too. So um, that was that was the trade period. Um, one one big lad out, one big lad in, and the, and a few picks moving around um, to set us up for the for the national draft, which was um, you know considering our years at the top of the last couple of years, it was nice to be with the pick, picks moving around a little bit, get get ourselves up into the um, close to the top ten with the the pick twelve. So. Take a quick break here and um, get into how the draft uh, draft figured out for us. Alrighty, so the draft um, was a, you know, it's it's an interesting place to be, um, being that we're you know a top four side in the past couple of years. To be utilizing the draft still, um, and getting some you know getting some real talent there is a you know it's something that's always a nice balance to have when in your list management is to be going to the draft and. Picking up some talent um, at the upper end of the draft too, and uh, so yeah, like I said in talking about the trades, um, we did there was a little bit of pick swappage going on um, as we moved around. I think there's some pick swap with West Coast somewhere in there in the trade period as well. Don't ask me about the machinations and all that stuff. I had it there somewhere, and just sometimes when pick swaps are going on, it's just I just look at the end product and see where we ended up with a pick. And um, you know, I think that but yeah, the pick swap um, for uh, number twelve, I think was the Sydney. The Sydney trade with Laddams, and uh, that was a great, great, great um, little swap because it moved us up just those few spots. And as a bloke um, with his flowing long hair and a, and a great name already, uh, Josh Sin seemed to be a player that we were looking at, and we picked up at number twelve. And uh, we've already seen um, that he could, he's got the real strong potential of. Sorry, excuse me. Um, as a burp, a beer burp, first one for the pod, I think. Um, let me know if there was more before. <laughs> Um, yeah, just tweet at me and say, what the fuck, man, you burps, they're annoying, sorry, uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, no, uh, Josh's in at number 12, and he's got the one of those players that's looking look on he's got real strong potential to, uh, you know, and we've got a real strong side, real deep side, but, um, 
You know, a few injuries at the moment um, still, as 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 per usual. I'll get into that um, in a bit. Uh, but Josh Sin at number twelve was a real, um, real great pickup for the now and for the future because I think he's, you know, watching his highlights a bit and seeing how he's already impacting the few a couple of preseason games. Uh, a real strong, like he's got a strong AFL kind of. You know, this is going to sound cliched, you know, strong AFL ready body. Um, but you know that's just how it looks when you look at his highlights. Um, because I'll get into the other guys in a bit. Um, you know Jackson, you know to recap the draft quickly. We got pick twelve, Josh in. Um, pick fifty five, Hugh Jackson. Uh, pick fifty six, right after Jackson, uh, Dante Vicentini. Um, sins mate from the Sandringham Dragons, and uh, of course at number sixty, father son pick and Jay Spurgoin. Um, but you know when you look at the looking um comparatively to Jackson, Vicentini, and Burgoyne. Um, Sin just absolutely looks like the AFL ready bloke out of those guys already. Um, real confident um, running carry, um, you know, whether it be re- coming out of defense, um, you know, he's just got this real, there's a swagger about his play. Um, and that's that's such an unquantifiable thing, is swagger. Um, you just kind of sometimes see it. And whether it translates to the AFL, um, well, only time will tell. But it kind of reminds me of, you know, when Lockie Jones came in last year, there was... Um, there was a little bit of a swagger about his game and and a, and a maturity to his game that you, you just you just see when you see it, and that's kind of what I I, I get from when I'm just a few little. It's not like I was watching Josh Sin last year. Um, I'm not a fucking draft scout or anything, but just what I've what I've seen since you know little highlight packages you see on YouTube, which again, of course, are catered to make you feel impressed. But you know you can see from it that he's. He's got some swagger about him. He's he's candy. He can pick up and he can get the boot, foot on the uh, boot. The boot on the ball um, in the forward line and, and kick um, some handy goals, but as well as his, his run run out of defense and um, and through the midfield and and his ability to impact the play in that sense is and it just he just has this is the speed um, and a clean cleanliness of foot, um, a good touch off the boot um, with, um, with you know touching the uh, touching kicks uh, forward you know to advantage. Um, and just all that stuff that just you, you look at and see that's a guy that could come in and make an immediate impact and be and a quantif- you know a real um, a real sturdy impact on um, how we play and as well as you know we, you know good ball users sometimes it can, seems like they're hard to come by depending on how we're playing and um, it's always good to have someone like that in the wings um, and to draft them so young and and potentially be ready. Uh, right away is a great boost, and you know it's it's a it's a great thing um, in our side as we've been coming through the last few years to have so many of those guys coming through. Whether it be that golden draft of um, you know Rosie Butters and Dersma coming straight in, and then you know last year you know injuries aside, Lockie Jones would have had a lot more of a run, I think. Um, so yeah, and then you know you but then you know some guys are going to be project guys as well, and I look at the Hugh Jackson. Hugh Jackson looks pretty. Um, he looks he's a good good little player. Um, Great out of the middle, um, and as well as having a good um, good eye for the goal, and and cracks in as well. Good tackle, um, good good um, run and carry through the middle as well. Like real, real good hands, um, and just real uh, hunger for the ball. But it looks probably just a touch um, below, um, kind of just a little bit of uh, refining there. Uh, Vicentini, um, you know, a big fuck. He looked like he was playing against kids. Some of those highlights I was watching, like he looks like the guy that. Um, Probably like me when I got dropped at minis when I was playing footy as a kid, um, and they just put me in the ruck because I was fucking a foot taller than anyone else. Um, that's what it looked like to me watching him watching him play there. But um, got a bit of development to go there, I think, with Vicentini. But um, you know, some some pro- promise there. Um, obviously, 
you know it's it's a it's a thing that um is true in a lot of sports actually is um you know the bigger the body sometimes and you know those taller lumbering bodies but geez he's a presence he can attack the ball um um you know in the forward line and in the middle playing a bit of ruck as well um hunts the ball a little bit there was a, one good highlight of just absolutely <laughs> you know scaring the shit out of someone who was i thought think thought had an easy easy run at the ball and you know Vicentini's just coming through and spoiling like a like a freight trading from behind. So um, a developmental, uh, you know, a bit of development there. But um, looks, uh, again, you know, going off a few few minutes of highlights, um, you can see why he's drafted. You know, he's, he's got some good, there's some good talent there. So um, one, another just great depth player for development um, as like, like the, you know, the likes of Ollie Lord as well, um, who's he's just re-signed as well and um, was drafted obviously not for the now, but for the uh, going forward. And of course, it was wonderful to see um, Jace Burgoyne get drafted at number sixty in the father-son pick. Um, there was a bit of well, there was a little bit of worry about whether Burgoyne would um, accept that, like take that nomination as being able to take the father-son route. I think particularly with Trent um, being delisted by Port, but now Trent's come back into the SANFL system, so that's wonderful. But um, no, it's good to see Jace um, at the club. Uh, he he's an, he's got some incredible skills. I remember watching him. A little bit when he had his run with Port for that month last year, as well as obviously um, he was racking up the possessions and and whatnot in the um, Eagles uh, under 18s at Rezies or wherever he was playing. Um, he was racking up the possessions there as well, and um, really one for the he's he's got a you know he's a, he's a player that's just got to develop the body. Uh, he's certainly got the skills there. It's just developing the body to be able to take the um, you know handle the AFL game really is where where his main um, thing going forward is now because all the skills and the and the X factors there with um, Jace, I think. So um, that's a really exciting one to have in the system as well. So um, yeah, all around one of those drafts that you know I know there's a lot of um, talk about hoping to nab Tex Wanganin as well somehow, uh, but it's just you know unfortunately all the romantic stories can't happen. And you know to be fair for Tex Wanganin, um, he's getting it. You know, know we all like to remember Wanganin for his port. Port. Um, he's got a great connection to Port, and ne- that never will go away. But you know Wanganin does actually have a pretty. Um, you know, a fair, a fair part of his success as a player, and a, you know, when you watch him talk about it, he's got a fairly bit of love and and adoration at Essendon as well, and obviously so with winning a Brownlow and a Premiership there. Um, and so his family's got a connection to Essendon as well, and so that was that was a cool moment when you saw Tex get signed after that that wonderful uh, game he played, um, a trial game for Essendon. So you know, was, I know there was a lot of talk about seeing if there was a way to get Tex to Port, but unfortunately that. Um, that just didn't happen, and um, but you know, overall, um, a pretty good draft for me. Um, Sin at number twelve looks like a real, another list management scouting kind of um, real, um, you know, real gem there, and uh, happy with that. And looks like he, he could make an in- impact going forward pretty quickly, depending on um, our needs, um, lineup needs going forward here soon. So yeah, that was the that was a draft, um, you know, pretty successful one, and pretty happy with it. Last but not least, before we get into uh, the looking and looking forward to this season, was um, we also added uh, Trent Dumont in the uh, rookie draft. Um, he was uh, you know played 113 games at North Melbourne, um, and it was a pretty handy player. But unfortunately, just North Melbourne the way they're turning their list over at the moment, he's in just in that profile of players that wasn't quite going to crack into their new new um, squad. Although I think it could have been handy, but you know they've got a lot of things going forward and. Um, changes going forward, and players, you know, bloody old mate Jerry Pollock ended up back in the in, as a signed back in the rookie draft, I think. 
um, in the way their list management was working. So a lot of things moving there, and obviously they were able to pick up Hugh Greenwood as well. So, you know, Dumont was just on the outer, and, and he also had a desire to come back to Adelaide being um, a Norwood product, um, which is always nice to um, bring Norwood, um, dirty Norwood players to the light of Port, Port Adelaide and make them see... See the light, and he wanted to. He was he was keen to come as well. So it was that's a nice little addition just for depth. I don't know where. Um, I think he's got a might have an injury thing at the moment, but um, you know he's going to be a player that can um, be handy um, playing around the wing or um, in the midfield. Just you know, as one of those guys that you know we had that run of um, incredibly bad injury luck last year, which you know knock on wood uh, that won't happen this year. But you know you never know, and, and Dumont certainly an experienced AFL uh, body and player and head um, a knife of the goals. As well, when he gets a chance around the 50 arc, and um, and it can certainly uh, can certainly add something to the squad. So that was just a nice little addition, just to finish off the um, off-season moves and um, and getting towards um, the break, the Christmas break before we got into um, pre-season and all that stuff going forward here now. So that's the next stage. Now looking forward to um, what's to come this year. Preview time. Finally, after I spent a half an hour reviewing after all that, <laughs> thought that was going to be quick, but hey, whatever. We'll get into it. Preview time. So the dawning of a new season comes, all types of hopes, expectations, dreams. Um, the blank canvas of a season is always a wonderful feeling. Um, even back when we were shit, you know, I'd always had that um, that thing going into the season. That I was like, maybe this could be the year, um, even if we were looking at only winning three or four or five, six games, whatever it was in those dark days. But, you know, the start of the season, it didn't matter. Yeah, everyone was an even kill. But... Um, this Port Adelaide side, as it's been over the past couple of years, uh, does come with a fair bit of expectation as well as the hopes and dreams and all that stuff. There is actual, real, tangible expectation and belief um, in something special happening this year, as there was last year. Um, certainly 2020, I think there was a little bit of hope, but um, the expectation wasn't quite there. But yeah, this year and last year, certainly expectation. Expectation has not been really higher now since maybe 2004 I would say um, with how we've gone the last two years you know making prelims two years in a row and losing them uh, very similar to 0203 not not tr- sitting here saying oh it's following the same trajectory because um you know there's, there's different aspects you know we we finished top and then um, you know fell apart in the finals a little bit those years and and ended up playing away prelims so they're not making not drawing comparisons and saying the expectation has built for a couple of years now with preliminary final experience, uh, appearances, t- consecutive top four finishes, um, top two finishes actually as well. Um, all that stuff comes with um, a fair bit of expectation. A Brownlow winner to top it off as well. All these things just get you in the front, forefront of the AFL kind of landscape as far as being one of those teams people talk about. Uh, we're certainly not a favourite by any means, um, but uh, as far as our season goes forward, uh, with our fans as well as um, the wider AFL world, we're seen as a contender. Um, so with that, the blank canvas already has a little bit of gets a little bit of paint on it already because there is narratives drawn, there is um, expectations made, and 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 a baseline of where the minimum that we expect from the season has been has been laid out. And um, I put on Twitter um, a day ago in preparation for this podcast, I just put up a poll, just kind of trying to gauge where everyone is feeling um, with the uh, with the season, like where we think our regular season will finish. You know, obviously finals, that question is, you know, people, what what do you hope for the season? What's the premiership? Um, what do you really realistically expect? I don't know. I didn't want to ask that question. I just thought, 
you get a bit of an idea as to how pe- how good people think their side can be just by asking them where they think that we might finish in the uh, after the minor round. So I put up a you know Twitter poll, four options: first and first or second, third or fourth, fifth to eighth, or obviously outside the eight. Five um, percent voted outside the eight. I don't know if. Um, Maybe there was a couple of uh, trolls got on there, or maybe there's some really pessimistic Port fans out there. I'd, it's surprising. <laughs> it's either, like I said, it's either a Crows fan jumping on there, or it's um, a Port fan just with very um, low expectations. Which you know, it's fair. You know, everything's uh, um, subjective as as fans, and you know, every opinion is valid going into a season again. But um, it, it was surprising for me to see that. But twenty um, percent went fifth to eighth. Um, the Last majority believe, I think, that we're... Uh, I mean, 75% of the answers were for a top four finish. 40% were um, picking third or fourth. Um, and 35% first or second. So, seems, you know, three quarters of people think we're going to finish in the top four. Which I agree with. If I... I didn't put down a personal vote. But if I would, I would have said third or fourth. I'm not sure. Um, my actual belief, just going into the season before we get into um, some of the nitty-gritty stuff of the preview just as an overarching thing for um, the season going forward. I think it's going to be, you know, last year, you know, I saw an amazing final round where, you know, the minor premiership was decided after the siren with that Melbourne-Geelong game. Um, Port could have finished anywhere from, fuck, I can't remember exactly what the layout of the math was at the time now. You can go back and listen to the podcast at the time because we're pretty wrapped after that Western Bulldogs win. But, you know, the doggies dropped out of the top four in that last, after being in there all year, dropped out with that loss to us. Um and and we ended up finished second, and you know, there was just so much going on in that last round. So many so the 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 space between fir- first and fifth was pretty pretty tight. Um, and I I expect a little bit of that this year again. So with that, that's why I think third or fourth might be just where we finish up, but it won't be by you know it won't be like we're two games behind or something like that. I think I think it could be pretty tight at the top again. I think Melbourne will be up there. Um, Brisbane, um, Western Bulldogs, I think. Uh, I wonder where the bullies, um, how, you know, how they'll go this year again. But they've certainly got, like, I think Bond Pelly's going to be right up there in the Brownlow kind of stuff again. I'll do a, there'll be a, um, AFL-wide preview pod um, released adjacent to this one as well, um, where I just briefly run the rule over the rest of the league. But, um, yeah, I just think the top four is going to be tight. Um, and it could be tight even, you know, it could be tight you know, first through fifth or sixth, um, possibly. But I just think the top four, um, there'll be um, four or five good teams up there again like there was this year, um, you know, with Western Bulldogs finishing outside that. So, you know, you've got Melbourne, Melbourne, Brisbane, um, Melbourne, Brisbane, ourselves, and Western Bulldogs I think might be the top four. Um, some people have Richmond getting back up there. Um, you know, and that's a possibility. You know, they were a grand final team just two years ago. Still a pretty good team, um, but I think we'll be up there just maybe just shade, just a shade outside of the top two. Which this isn't me saying I don't think we're going to win the premiership. Obviously, I just think um, the regular season is you know the minor round. I say regular season. You know, I watch a lot of NBA and stuff as well, so my my lingo uh, <laughs> fluidly changes between um, talking you know regular season NBA and minor round um, in AFL. But you know, the minor round, I think you know it's a, it's at a war of attrition a little bit. Sometimes you just got to build your season. We talked about that a lot last year too. Um, Ken would talk about that a lot last year. Um, you've got to build your season um, towards the end end goal of winning a premiership, and that doesn't mean going all, all you know um, pedal to the metal for the top top position. It's just getting making sure you're in the top four. I think is always the main thing, and, and we did that well last year, and and then just ended up finishing top you know in the top two as well after all that. So I think that's probably the aim again this year is build the season and comfortably entrench ourselves in that top four, hopefully. 
and uh and see where we end up from there um you know you just it's all about you know a little bit of luck here and there um once you kind of get yourself into that form to be a top four side as to where you're actually placed there but if i was going to put my vote out there i'd say third and fourth as well so third or fourth as well but hey i'd love a love a home qualifying final again that would be wonderful so we'll see where we end up on that front um going for you know this this season's going to be there's going to be a lot of talk um obviously there's going to be a lot on ken hinckley um that's just part of the game when you've been in the coach for this long um I said last year, after I think in the wake of the loss to the Western Bulldogs when everything was pretty raw, I tried to do that review review as best as I could um, and try to discuss, you know, kind of get into the nuance of it as best as I could um, regarding the... It was a fair bit of, obviously, after a loss like that in the preliminary final, there's a fair bit of... Um, angst um, towards coaches and, and whoever else um, draws the ire of uh, such a result. And Ken isn't immune from criticism, obviously, um, but the, the, the nuance has got to come with that discussion. You know, you see people just you know <laughs> make cracks on Twitter about Ken being um, a dickhead, a flog, you know, making fun of the things he says as a coach and stuff. And you know, there is, you know, there's a validity to some of it, but, you know, obviously a personal attacks on the man, um, you know, unless he's done... Unless something comes out of something bad that he's done, you know, it's not it's not warranted. And I genuinely believe, you know, he's obviously he's got a dedication to and he wants he wants this port success as much as anyone. Um and I believe this is the weird new and this is where the nuance for the discussion comes in. I don't think you know, whether there's a next stage forward from you know, we're we're all there is the criticism that says, Oh, we're all so kind of we've got the Stockholm syndrome kind of thing after having gone through those doldrums periods of the 2010s era um where we were you know oh, the club's going to fall apart oh the one bringing the club back together oh we're lucky to be where we are and um you know you can't you, you some people get annoyed because we, we we always say oh look where we were and look where these guys have brought us to and yeah there is some um validity to um Stating that, yeah, sometimes these guys can only bring you so far, and that might be the case going forward with Ken. But he's the coach for now, and I think we've got to accept also the good parts of it. He has built a side and a culture um, with the coaches and and himself and and everyone in place there. That does um, has been quite a positive place to be. You know, players aren't leave. There's no never been quite an exodus of players ever um, in his tenure. Um, you know, guys like Wingard have left in the, and, you know, maybe there's never going to be a perfect unity of players. You know, there's always going to be some players that just don't quite fit the mould and do move on. But gener- generally, um, there's been a pretty good um, stability in keeping players. And you listen to the guys like your Bokes and your Ollie Wines and um, Zach Butters has talked, um, you know, there's a lot of talk about, you know, obviously Butters and some of the family things that are going on and how much Ken has been a part of keeping and, and you know, Building him into the man, you know, helping kind of him grow into this, being him because he they come here as just having turned eighteen and you know basically kids still navigating the adult world for the first time and the kind of the role he plays in that. So, and that's where the hard part of it is is like you know they, they, all those things are a part of where our squad is now. But then is he the man to take that next step? So we've got him to this point, but is he the man to take him to the next step in the promised land and? So far, he's just fallen short, and there's three preliminary finals now. Two of them, 
um, heartbreakers and that that Hawthorne one back in 2014. I still think we get it. We go on and win that one, and if we can get past Hawthorne, because that was just such a we were better than them for a fair part of that night, and that, and so it's so close yet so far, and that's the thing. And then last year is the furthest we've been, you know, and a performance like that is hard to reconcile. So I, I that's where I always say the nuance has got to be in these discussions because we can talk about the shortfalls and the fact that he hasn't gotten over the hump, but we can also talk about the fact that there is some good aspects because, you know, sometimes when you start saying, well, look what he's done for the culture, it's like, well, that's not enough. And it's like, well, that's part of it, though. That's part of the reason why we're, we're, why we're where we are. Um, getting that out sentence out was a, straight, it was a struggle late at night when you have a half a beer. <laughs> not a young man anymore. Um, so you've got to have those kind of discussions and 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 be adult, be adults about it and say yeah we can we can criticize but we can also uh, we can also try to work out um, you know work with work with the fact that there is a reason that we're where we are and uh, but you know we, we can also so I can sit here and say I'm bloody thankful that we've got such great stability at the moment and people that fight for the rights of the, you know, when, you know, you talk about the bring back the bar stuff as well, like the club's pretty um, bullish about that stuff now. And I, that's the kind of fight that Port Adelaide is, you know, stand up against and kind of stuff is what we want as Port Adelaide fans, I think as well. So all those culture things and all those things are true, but then there is also very valid discussions about is that, you know, now we're here, we need to see the next step, and that's that's going to be the big. That's going to be probably one of the big storylines of this year, um, and and it deserves to be so as well. You know, people can say, "Oh, you shouldn't question him," and some people, you know, in the media have said, "I can't believe that." I think that some of the Melbourne-based media have been like, "I don't understand why he's under pressure." And it's like, well, there is an expectation of success, and you can only. And with everything he's been given, he's dry, you know he's got list management working absolutely their asses off to provide this team and keep things in check, you know salary cap and all that stuff, while constantly reinvigorating the team, whether it be through the draft um, as well as some you know free agents and trades and all that stuff coming through. And we're consistently putting a you know yeah, we underachieved for a few years there was the sides that we had, and now we're um, in finals contention again. We really do need to see the results of it. So while I absolutely um, commend the culture and all that stuff and all the things that are... And Ken is a big part of that, I think, with what you hear from the players. Yeah, I just have to assume that if the players are saying those things and they repeatedly say those things in the likes of Boke are still here and still putting in those... You know, the amount of work Boke puts into his body to make sure he's ready at this age still means there must be something that keeps him coming back beyond his own drive and just, you know, he wants to play footy and succeed, but he's doing that for Port Adelaide for a long time now. And so all those things um, wrap up into it, but we we do need to see the success now it needs to we need to start seeing some tangible results um and when you have a grand a preliminary final loss like that the questions are deservedly asked so that's the way you have this discussion you can you can say that where well, their questions need to be asked but you can also do it without saying that the bloke's an absolute flog and useless and a, and a massive cunt and whatever else that, you know sometimes gets said and just say look you know, there's, there's, there's an adult way to have this discussion we've just got to try to have it so that is going to be the big storyline of this year, though. I think um, going into twenty twenty two is that 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 is the expectation now. And when you come off a result like that um, in the preliminary final, that is going to be a big guiding part of our season as to how we cope with that going forward. Um, we've all, you know, we none of us want to talk about two thousand seven, but we do acknowledge that hung around for a while as well. Um, there was a fair bit of an impact from that for a fair while, and we don't want to see, you know, a preliminary final loss as devastating as that one is, is still uh, far less 
than that grand final loss. So we shouldn't let it affect us, and we should be, you know, um, and the squad is in a lot better shape, obviously, than you know, 2008 Port Adelaide was as well with everything that was going on behind the scenes. You know, the club's in a lot better shape. So that shouldn't impact us. But uh, we need to, um, we do need to see, uh, need need to see the results um, as well. So um, I think that, I think this squad's hungry enough, um, you know, and the, and the profile of the squad is, is pretty good. I'm pretty happy with like everything that we're kind of going forward with the um, you know the, the mixture of youth and experience um, going forward. So that's probably the next stage of the, this little preview now. After I've, I've rattled and waxed poetic about <laughs> and have an adult discussion about Ken Hinckley, but um, now we can kind of talk about the the squad and what what we can look forward to with um, everything going forward this season. All right, so Port Adelaide, the squad in 2022. Um, it's a squad that, um, again, like I said, going into this little part of the podcast, um, a nice mixture of youth and experience and, and those guys right in the middle of that that are in the prime of their career. Um, you know, when you look through the squad top to bottom, um, defense, like I, I love where we are um, defensively. Um, you know, midfield has been the, is probably the question uh, among all questions, but I think a lot of that comes from we're just not sure you know, there's the talk is that we want we want Zach Butters to play more more midfield, and you know you, you hear the talk that like this this kid could be the next like he, he's as good as e. Gary Ablett and stuff like that potentially. I'm not I, this is not me trying to put the mockers on him. It's it's stuff that I've seen in the media before. You know, those whispers are out there that Zach Butters is that kind of special talent. So. I think that's why, you know, the, 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 a few of the preview stuff, that I, a little bit of the stuff I've heard and read this year when talking about Port Adelaide is always, the, you know, it's the midfield is where people aren't sure of where how we stack up against. And, you know, it's a fair fair um, thing to ask when you look at the midfields of the like of Melbourne and Western Bulldogs and even look at the fucking likes of Carlton with the, the how stacked up they've made, they've got their midfield going into this year, having gotten Chero across and you know, Cripps and, and Sam Walsh and, and all that going on there. So, you know, it's a fair question to ask. But um, I think a lot of that just comes from we're not sure, you know, Bo, uh, Ollie Wines is a Brownlee mid- winning midfielder. So he's obviously, we're, we're not terrible there. Um, Travis Boak is just, I think, and I think a lot of that comes from a lot of people just expecting Boak to at some point finally just show that those signs of ageing. Um, amazing that he got he ended up with twenty five points in the Brownlee last year behind Nolly Wines record equaling thirty six. Um, just aging like a fine bloody Barossa wine. Um but um you know, I think that's the where the questions are coming from is besides those two, there's no real, you know, star power, isn't there, you know? But a lot of those questions are ones that can be answered by guys within our squad, I think. That's the, the, the all these questions that are being asked about in the midfield can be answered and I hope are answered by the likes of it's it's your um, obviously butters um, staying fit is one thing and then and continuing that development which I think it will happen. I think butters as long as he stays fit and is on the field he's just that he's just that talented he's going to make make um, make it work and will st- and will with you know we he we lost him for so long last year as well as Dersma um, that they just really didn't get that good run dash get that that show those signs of what we want from them in the midfield so him and Dersma are certainly. You know, Desmond on the wing a bit, and will be um, and get into the midfield a bit. Will be big questions answered if they can stay fit, um, as well as um, Connor Rosie is obviously another one that we want running through the midfield more with just that elite 
kind of um, line breaking pace and talent that he has with the hand, hands and feet and being able to just move and move laterally across the field. Um, so he's it's, it's those three are a big part of that, as well as um, Sam Pepper is in right into that. He's you know he's only a few games away from a hundred games, so he's he's getting on to that. Um, not such a young player anymore, but um, still moving towards his prime kind of age now. He's in that age demographic, and um, he's a big question to be answered this year as well. Is he going to finally um, take that step? Um, so he's another one. You know, that's four players I've now named um, that are potentially, you know, whether, you know, I don't know if Pau is going to be an elite player ever, but um, certainly a handy, great player um, is what he does have the potential to be and has been at times too when he's gotten it going. Um, so there's there's four, and then then we look at a guy like Willem Drury, who was like an unsung hero last year outside of us. Like I think a lot of Port fans really appreciated what he brought last year, and was really grew into the season last year and became one of like a you know a, just a, a lock in the starting starting lineup. Um, so he's another one that can develop more this year and become you know he got, I mean he took Tom Rockliffe's role last year and um, and kind of helped. Um, Break Ollie Ollie Wines to break out even more was guys like William Drew doing some like grunt work. So again, he can grow this year. So all these questions about a midfield, there's a lot of answers that are right there in our squad. We just need these guys to take that step and show and and consistency and get to that elite level that we see all these other midfields that are comparatively above us at the currently. Um, can these guys can fill those roles? So it's not like we. You know, if there would have been players like, you know, Zach Merritt halfway through last year was the uh, name talked about, but then obviously he re-signed it. Um, Essendon and that one went away. And there was a few of those names being bandied around and, you know, Coniglio was possibly going to move on. And I think I saw it whispered briefly if there would be a big trade that we would be involved in with that. I'm happy with where we're at. I just, it, but that's, um, I would have liked to have added someone. And, you know, I, I mentioned before Trent Dumont's come in as a, as a depth role, a depth player in the rookie draft as well and could could play a role this year as well. But the thing is, you you actually don't want you don't if Dumont becomes a key player for us, that it means something else has gone wrong, whether it be injuries, probably probably injuries, but then you know still not getting a consistent run out of some of these guys that we do need to see those that step up from. So that's probably the big question this year, but also the answers are there, and we've got some incredibly talented players that have still got so many years ahead of them, um, a fair few years before their prime for a few of them, like your Butters and Rosies are still so young and Dersma. And Pal Pepper's even a few, you know, still comparatively young um, as a player. And will improve. So a lot of players that can fill those midfield roles and create an elite midfield from within, they just need to get that growth and that consistency. Um, and touch wood, um, the injuries are, we don't have those, you know, fucking syndesmosis and all that crap from last year. Like those, that devastating Richmond game where we saw both Dersma and Butters end up going down. So... And then, like I said, um, you know, Josh Sin's come in um, and potentially looks like a player that could play a role um, this year. And you've got guys like um, you know your Miles Bergman and 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 you know Amon as well, all Australian. You know, these names are all guys that can can play a significant role as well. And um, so I genuinely believe the answers are truly from within our side and 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 can can be taken from there. And and an elite midfield can come out of this year. Uh, and going forward, and, and certainly have a obviously play a role this year, and hopefully um, doing something big. And you know, we look at even guys like I don't think Robbie Gray will get much of him, but he he played. He still can be that pinch hitter in midfield when needed for some silky skill and stuff like that. And obviously not a relied upon player anymore, but um, you know, we have the answers there. It's just we need the consistency. 
Um, otherwise, like I said, defensively, I think we're in we're in great shape. You know, Alir Alir was a revelation last year and just one of the best players in the comp. And um, again, like when I talk about all these things, it's obviously injuries permitting. Um, I know Cleary is out for a little bit here. He um, came up with some swelling after that Adelaide preseason game. Um, so he is, um, I think he's going to be out for a month, possibly. Just an arthroscopic little, just a little little clean out of the, the old knee. Um, so he's out for a bit. So that, that brings Trent McKenzie back in, the old cannon. So he, I mean, he came in when Cleary went down last year and, and played really well, and he's been such a great pickup from the Suns um, these, these last few years. Um, so Trent McKenzie um, fills that role well. Um, Lockie Jones um, running off halfback and um, with that great, luscious, flowing mullet, hopefully will, um, again, um, injuries permitting, um, play uh, more of a significant role this year as because he's certainly got the body for it. We had, had enjoyed his little cameos last year. Darcy Byrne-Jones um, needs to kind of get a bit more consistent. I think he grew into the I think he actually got de- back to towards his best towards the back in the last season. He seems to become a bit of a scapegoat as well by fans. Um, but he can certainly, um, if he can just even get close to that form, that one him uh, best of fairest, he will um, he will be a great, um, a very much required. Um, that, and that we what we need is um, Darcy Burn Jones getting back to that. But otherwise, you know, Tom Jonas is Tom Jonas, um, and you know, I just I'm just pretty comfortable with where we're at defensively. Um, you know, Ali Ali was just that missing piece. He just, he just feels, he just, he's just filled that role so perfectly. Um, and you know, he's just, um, you know, and guy like Ryan Burton, I think had his best year so far and he's still just so young as well. And, you know, Dan Houston was incredible last year. Like, I just think we're, we're so well built at the back and that's where a lot of our play can come from. Um, we've got some elite runners out of the back lines, you know, Miles Bergman as well. Um, you know, obviously I think we'll see, we'll see him move up the field a little bit, but he's, um, you know he the way he comes out of the back lines as well, um, and yeah, just so many so many elite users of the ball coming out of the back lines. It is sad to see that Amy Hartlett is no longer a, a contender back there, but it just shows how well stacked we are. That um, he was, you know, he was a surplus to requirements um, going out of last year. So really well built at the back, and uh, in the forward line as well. I'm actually pretty quietly confident. I think I guess um, I did say injuries. Aside, but um, injuries are just a factor at the moment. It is such a disappointment to see Arazio Fantasia still hasn't gotten that body right. Um, I think he's looking like, um, just looking at the injury report that came out today, I reckon, they, did they say six to eight weeks? Yeah, six to eight weeks for Arazio. So we're not really seeing him much before the bye this year. I don't think. And with his, you know, issues, um, and this is clearly five to six weeks, by the way, uh, Bergman one to two weeks with that shoulder reconstruction. So, um. Yeah, it, it is such a that is that is a major factor in um, probably the forward line going for into these first month of the season is that um, you know Dixon. Um, I reckon they think he could be up for round one, but I don't know if he will be. Um, and but yeah, certainly Orazio Fantasia, such a live wire, and you know we saw in that qualifying final how devastating of an impact he can have. Um, but he's just not going to be a factor in the first large part of the first half of the season, which is um. Uh, very disappointing, really, um, for the you know going into a season that's uh, that we really want to see. Um, we need to build the season. Um, anyway, it's just not going to be a factor in that. So uh, that means hopefully Robbie Gray can stay fit, even though obviously the age is getting up there and for what he can do. But we saw last year um, how effective Robbie can be in playing that forward role. And he's just so he's still got that um, 
great hands, can take you know take a mark and clutch. Obviously, the clutch goal kicking uh, doesn't leave you, um, and um, you know he's just going to have to play a bit of a role down there as well as um, you know Stephen Motlop again. Um, but yeah, I just it, that is probably the biggest disappointment to me going to the season so far. Or the biggest question mark is um, will Orazio have a significant impact on a year? And we want him to. We got him across here too, and we certainly have seen the impact he can have when he's at his best. But it's just it's so few and far between so far, and it is a frustration. But you know we've got the likes of Con- you know Connor Rosie and Butters, who we certainly expect to go through the midfield a little bit more, but they're still you know play that midfield forward role. Um, so, you know, and those obviously um, elite um, skill um, X-Factor kind of players. So they will play that role as well. Um, but otherwise, you know, the forward line, the big, the other big question really going with the forward line is the uh, with Finlayson added into the mix, um, we're again in that situation like, you know, Finlayson really just play, <laughs> replaces Marshall, uh, Marshall, um, Laddams in the discussion of how to play with all these tools because Georgiades is is a lock now. He's he's a lock more than almost any other forward for me. Um, Georgiades is the future. Um, he's an X factor forward. He's he's got that excitement factor of the forwards that I grew up with in the you know the nineties, the high flying high flying forwards and all that stuff. And some of those players that are in the in the league now, um, whether it be your your Bailey Fritches or your Aaron Nortons that are floating around now, Georgiades has got that and more for me. Um, that mark that he took over Max Gorn last year at Adelaide Oval is still just fresh in mind as to just the the audacity and he and he can do it he does it with such regularity but as well as being able to lead into space and kick an incredible he's got like I talked about it time and time again on the podcast last year an elite kick and um, just a fundamental old school way of um, you know his, his run up and his technique is um, you know for the fundamentals is just there and he's and, he, and it's incredibly reliable so it's one of the most reliable kicks, but then his X factor and that just it makes him a lock over anyone. For me, including Dixon at this point, um, and I love I love Charlie Dixon. I think Charlie Dixon fit is still a lock for the side too, but it's just his age and and everything um, and how his his body is not right and going into the season. It's hopefully getting there. Um, and you know, like I said, I think he's a question mark for round one, so that's a good sign that he's not just scrubbed out completely. But um, he's up there in age um, as well as battling an injury going into the season. So, um, yeah, I think Georgiades is the absolute lock. Um, I do hope that we see more from Marshall this year because it's a really defining, starting to get to that defining time of Marshall's career, particularly when we're bringing guys like Finlayson in as to whether Marshall can um, fight for his spot and actually make it his or or becomes a player that um, isn't exactly a lock. Um, and, yeah, Finlayson as well coming in. I think we've seen some good signs from him and he's, in, he's got the experience... Um, at playing in a high level footy in a side contending, um, as brief as it was, and uh, he's going to be um, kind of the the player that's the the big um, kind of the big shake up for the forward line as well, and and keeping the pressure on. But the, it's probably good to have that competition down there as well. So um, for me, it'll be interesting to see if um, Marshall becomes the odd man out again. If um, Finlayson and Dixon can hit some form, and as well as uh, but Marshall's the some of the things he does around the field. You know, um, you know, north of the fifty arc um, can is sometimes uh, underrated as well. So, you know, he brings something to the game that the likes of you know, um, I you know, we'll see from Finlayson and, and Georgiades what they. But Georgiades, you know, is definitely not quite doing what Marsh was doing, and even um, Dixon often moves up the field a bit um, and can play some of that disruptive role up there as well. So, 
it, it's going to be interesting to see how this these four um, figure it out this year, as well as as, as well as it was last year. So, yeah, um, it's it's a deep lineup. Um, certainly got some injury injury issues here and there, but um, it's it, yeah. Those are the most big questions. I was um, can Arazio get right? Um, will the uh, midfield that elite midfield that's been questioned uh, by the outer AFL media, I believe it can be filled from within, but we've got to see the consistency and um, obviously the tall forwards as well. Um, really, um, as you can probably hear from the last 15, 15 minutes of me chatting, I think they're most comfortable with their defence, which is not somewhere I was, I was a few years ago, but um, it just shows the, the recruitment and what we've done down there has been quite successful. Alrighty, so closing thoughts. Um, I don't know, not sure how much of a real coherent preview this was, but I guess you just get a general idea of where I'm sitting going into the season. But um, closing thoughts are, it's obvious that we need to be contending for the grand final again. And I think um, anything less than a grand final appearance will be uh, shaky ground for Ken Hinckley and his job. And that's not me saying anything about, you know, I'm not trying to do the, the media thing, um, you know, that fucking thing that media does in trying to put the pressure on beforehand. I'm just saying my re- the reality is, I think, after you know 10 years in the job, a pretty disappointing um, preliminary final exit last year. I think if we don't make the grand final this year, um, it would just be... And look, the season will play out, how it'll play out, and maybe we'll get to... Maybe we'll, um, things will happen that mean that it isn't bad, but I just can't see any situation where we not us if we don't make the grand final that Ken doesn't have some serious questions to answer, and that'll be valid, and... It'll also be true that he's still probably going to have the support of a lot of players and, and all that stuff, And but he will also have questions to answer and whether it'll get to that tipping point for the, the board and, and everyone to make a decision, who knows? We, we can only um, speculate and that's what I'm doing. So, you know, <laughs> whatever. But um, that, that's so that's my expectation too is I think we just... Our squad is so good. Um, like I said, there were some questions there about like, from the outer media about the midfield and a few other things and but every team's going to have that a little bit. I certainly don't think we're favourites, obviously. I think Melbourne um, were incredible last year, and I think they have to start. You know, they haven't had too much changeover, and with how good they are, and the, their, their list profile is pretty good as far as ages around and, and some elite players in their prime or coming, still coming towards their prime and years and years ahead still. Um, they've got to be favourites. Um, the Bulldogs have got a deep midfield and, and are going to be looking to um, come back again, and they've shown, have rebuilt pretty well after their 2016 surprise kind of run. So... And Brisbane are there, you know they've got Cam Rayner back, and there's they've they're a team that's um under under they've got questions, you know Fagan will be answering questions as well. If it, so, he's kind of got that mockers on him as well. Um, after a couple of um you know home fade outs, I guess you could call them. Um, not that they were um they were just overdone, um, um beaten by some good teams in those the last couple of years as well. But so we're certainly not favourites by any means, but I think um, with how good our squad's been um, and getting two home finals in a row shows that we do have the level to get to that elite kind of set ourselves up for a good finals run and we haven't quite taken advantage of it. Maybe this year we go have to play some away finals and that works in our favour for some fucking reason. Who knows? Footy's weird. Sports is weird. Um, no one fucking knows. It's just it's the, the chaos of sports is what makes, us, what makes it beautiful. Um, but we've just got to... Um, I just do think that anything less than a grand final appearance will be our serious question. So that's my expectation. We need to make the grand final. I want to make the grand final. I'm a Port fan, of course, I want to fucking make the grand final. Um, I think, um, and like I said, I had to talk about the injuries a bit when we were talking about the squad. But I think injuries permitting, you know, having a 
realistic run with injuries. Not too bad, but, you know, obviously we'll get him. But as long as we can maintain throughout the season, like we did last year, even if we had some pretty significant injuries at times, I think that um, we should be finishing um, top four comfortably, hopefully. Uh, you know, it could be tight up there, but I think I just we've got the squad that um, anything less than top four will be um, actually a, an incredible disappointment, I think, and that'll be uh, questions will be asked even before the finals if we don't even make top four. Um, but we should we should be making top four and then making a run at the grand final. Um, and I, I believe that we can win it. Um, obviously, once you get to a grand final, anything can happen. Um, but we are a team that's good enough to do it. And I think that's got to be the expectation. So um, any thoughts about players, individual performances? I think uh, I think Georgiades could be on for um, really have a big year goal kicking. And I'm not saying we're winning a Coleman or anything like that. But it'd be good to see um, him kind of bag 30 to 40 or something like that would be nice i don't even know how to i grew up in the 90s um you know and I, i'm still not used to the fact that you can look at a you know it's it's crazy when you look at like premier league goals so just a random aside goal scoring in like soccer is getting more and you know you see players getting bags of, like it's a nuts that back in the day um you know your dunstals and your Ablets and all those were kicking bags of a hundred, and so a, a Premier League goal scorer, or a um, you know, a goal scorer from one of those leagues kicking a bag that compares. But now we see a guy like um, you know, your Mo Salah's breaking the record in the Premier League for thirty odd goals, and that would be a pretty good season for AFL forward now. So random thought of the night for me. Anyway, um, it would be nice to see a guy like Georgiades kick thirty to forty injuries permitting, obviously, and um, leading the line. I think it's kind of his year to really take charge of the forward line and make it his own. Um, Midfield-wise, I expect Ollie Wines to... Now that he's got the Brownlow Nows, um, he's got the attention of the umpires. If he has a season like last year again, he's going to be up there with um, at least 27, 28 votes if we win the games and he is even close to last year. You know, he he could be well up there in the Brownlow again. So individual performance-wise, I think he'll be... Right up there again in the brown line and amongst our best vote-getters there, as well as our best and fairest. Um, defensively, I expect, um, I think, it'll be interesting to see if Alir Alir can, you know, he's going to be, teams have had a full off-season to game plan around that. That'll be an interesting aspect to consider and uh, and see how teams try to um, negate the uh, kind of cut-off effect that Alir has at the back line. So, but... Um, Provided, I think that we also are going to be understanding of the fact that that could happen. I think we'll be developing a backline game plan a bit as well, and I think Alirley could be up for a pretty good season again. Um, and I'd love to see. Um, I haven't actually mentioned him again, but uh, yet, but uh, like a guy like Riley Bonner really um, have an effective run as well because we've seen he's a scapegoat, but um, he was their best player in that prelim, absolutely hands down. It's unfortunate for him that his best <laughs> best game probably in Port Colours might have come in that game, but. Um, you know, guys like that are going to be some untung heroes this year as well. But, you know, certainly I expect um, Zach Butters probably, um, if I had to pick a, um, a an, one to pop the All-Australian cherry, I think this, Zach Butters has, you know, he was very, very close to it, I think, in 2020. And I think um, this year, if he has a full year um, at fit and all that, I think he'll be, be breaking into the um, All-Australian side as well. I mean, we saw last year with that 36-37 possession game against Sesson and a couple of weeks before he got injured, um, he was really starting to crack into some of that kind of form. So, 
yeah, a lot of a lot of individual um, accolades could come this year again. But um, I think the the biggest, most important thing is all those players get that indi- those individual performances in line um, and grow and and push us towards that um, hopeful pedestal at, right at the top of this this AFL. So yeah, um, a lot of things to come, a lot of excitement to come, a lot of um, questions to be answered as well, and a, and a very expectant fan base. So. Let's fucking get it. Let's fucking get it. Um, I, have a, I have a wide preview to come as well. Um, have a look at that for that on the Creedcast feed, as well as um, a preview of our first game this week against Brisbane coming up in a few days. So, yeah, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Um, happy to be back doing it. Um, shout out to all of you listening uh, worldwide as well. Um, I know we've got a few people over in the US that listen, so shout out to you you um, guys and gals over there. Um, love having uh, people all over the world listening in and, and, and um, loving Port Adelaide footy. Um, yeah. Count the pair. Let's fucking go. 2022. Let's get it.